0: Suddenly 30 is a podcast by Emily and Lily. We are two friends who thought we would have it all figured out by 30. After ticking all the so-called boxes, getting married, buying a home, becoming mothers and navigating careers, we were suddenly 30 and trying to find ourselves in the messiness of modern womanhood. Suddenly 30 will bring you candid, light-hearted and
1: unfiltered conversations about moving through careers, managing relationships, transitioning into motherhood and everything in between.
0: Hi, Lily. Hello, Emily. How are
1: you? Oh, God, that sounded flat, didn't it? Yeah.
0: Why are you so flat? I'm just really sad. No, I'm <laughs> Don't, don't. You're fat. i've been speaking to you for 10 years. Yes. i know i'm like i know but then i haven't really asked you much about you i've just more just yapped on about myself yeah the big gossip big gossip that you just shared with me
1: <laughs> oh no i'm really good
0: first day back at work today Yeah, it unusual well done and it
1: was really good
0: yeah just felt i felt quite naked being in the city actually mm, it is weird just being suddenly having no children around you yeah and Quite liberating to just have one bag, not full of crap, mm. just my stuff, mm. and just driving in the car in, in silence. silence. I know I did. I did halfway
1: there in, in silence, and then I put wow. on a bit of a podcast. I put mm. on our podcast. <laughs> stuff, <laughs> no, you did. I listened <laughs> to another podcast, um, which was quite
0: nice. Lovely. And just zoned out. Mm. No you didn't one's have going to up listen humbly. to Bluey or Wiggles oh, or like something oh my that's God. keeping everyone else entertained, no. but you. We're into. Um,
1: spidey at the moment oh, spidey and his that. friends or something oh. i don't know i can't keep up with the cartoons yeah no not but and it's, it. it's actually like the songs are rock mm. spidey rock oh god um so Sounds i get Christmas. quite into it it is a little bit christmasy <laughs> we'll get into that um, but anyway how are but yeah, you so you're feeling good you're yeah feeling i'm good feeling back. you woman yep i'm i'm up i got dressed you look nice
0: thanks Ooh. i feel like, like I you look class. dressed up nicely
1: Yeah, well, I I thought – it's pretty casual, my office, but Mm. I thought I don't want to come back from having not seen anybody since 2020 Mm. basically Mm. and just look really casual and – no one's even thinking about no, me no but I has, was like no I just want to I want to show up and blow up I wanted to show up and be like
0: hey guys I'm you back you wanted to cause a scene and make an entrance yeah
1: you know like mm, the totally. bitch is back she's here I know you've been waiting is <laughs> it <laughs> yeah that's so cringe um but you know what I mean I just was like yeah, yeah, you know, know dress I know
0: dress for the what is it called occasion no yeah just, well, that's one. just dress for the woman you want to be is that it? I don't know. I just made it. That yeah, up. that. Let's just, go with let's that. Go but you know that. what I mean. Dress for the <laughs> dress for what you're trying to put out yeah, into yeah, the world. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It's yeah. really nothing special. Just a pair, of, a pair of slacks and a blouse. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you have it? Mean? Pants, <laughs> trousers, slacks.
1: Trousers is nice. Slacks. Yeah. Is nice. slacks. Yeah. What else mm. is good? Dacks. Dack I'm gonna. I'm gonna
0: dack you. <laughs> my God, I still have a full fear. You got dacked once. I remember. When? Where would I have worn pants? I'm pretty sure. I'm seven. No dress. Let's lift no, up. Remember, you we know, used to a, do that on a sport day. You got dacked. I got. You're kidding. You, I this remember you getting dacked. Yeah, I I think you were crying. What? Shut oh, up, Emily. I'm not lying. <laughs> no, I'm Why not would lying. I cry? I remember <laughs> it in that little bottom quadrangle, <laughs> Emily. You, you're You were because you were embarrassed. I, saw I swear crying. it was you. Do you not remember? Maybe not, it didn't I, happen. I don't. I don't, I don't ever remember. Yeah, that sounds traumatizing. What person? Yeah. Who was Did a boy do it? Yeah. I won't say oh. his name, but I'm pretty sure it's. started No, go with- say it. We can cut it out.
1: What little triangle... Oh, another hoon. Hoon. <laughs> flying down this oh, street. This is the M1 is- out there.
0: Bloody hell. <laughs> What's the M1? The M1's what takes you up to Newcastle. <laughs> oh, quite blissful yeah, that one. Yeah. Quite peaceful. God, oh, we've got the shittest highways mm, here. I, know. I said <laughs> that. I it's it. one
1: way and they're like, watch out for head ons. Yeah. Why are we like, going 120 when someone why, is in the why, next why,
0: lane? Should, it should be like an eight lane highway like America. Honestly, you hmm. could
1: in America you could drive from here to Byron in twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> on it's on a big jet plane. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'm dead oh, serious. God. And you know here, like if you miss the exit, you're fucked. Or mm. if if you miss the exit and you accidentally take the what's the new thing on the oh, way back from the up the West Connects or the some oh sort of Connects thing. If you want to have a Demezzo with your partner and you want to get it's divorced, so take that. It's take so that.
0: Every time I go there, I'm like literally feel like I'm gonna have an accident because I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> but all of a sudden, and then, you're, am I in the right lane? Oh, be in the right, be in the left, be in the right, and you're like ah. And then, and then all of a sudden. You're driving in, and it, it turns it's into a cinema. Turns into like yeah, Warriwood yeah, Cinema yeah, yeah, with yeah. the stars twinkling on the <laughs> ceiling. You're like, <laughs> "Go to Parramatta." When we were driving back from when we went to a wedding in Mudgee, we were driving back, and and we were with one of our other friends. She was pregnant. Like we were both like pretty pregnant. She was like, 36 You're like if we take the West Connects, I'm going to give birth." We accidentally <laughs> took the wrong turn, and she was busting to wee. And she honestly had to go into this like zone, like she was in she labor. She was like not even talking. It was holding. Oh her. no! Because you're in the tunnel for we an, were, an hour. Like, it was. It was actually awful. Like I thought we were <laughs> gonna have to pull over so she could be, or we in a cup or something. <laughs> I don't even know how we got here. <laughs> We're on a tangent. <laughs> I'm like West Connects, What else are you talking about? How she did the highway? Oh my god! Oh, my god. oh that's, it was the hoon. It was the hoon. Yeah, but the anyway, body, the hoons out there. So you're, you're good. You're back at work. Yeah, I'm good. I'm, yeah, <laughs> keep me on track. I'm good. Oh, I'm, I'm back at work. What are you? I'm good. I'm been at work today too. Had a really funny, laughing day. And no, had you're had bullying nice. someone today. I oh, bet. My <laughs> <God>. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Funniest freaking thing! So what? I got to show you this funny little thing. So at work today, I'm scared. Today, I'm scared. So you know how? Tony, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting all sad because I had a cockatiel and it flew away. As a kid, Emily's
1: holding up a little. It's It's, a tree, it a it's actually
0: a tree topper. It's fake. It's from a, um. <laughs> it's for the Christmas theme, but um. Yeah, wait, did you genuinely buy that? Because <laughs> I genuinely bought it I for my I'm Christmas tree. It. And, um, so wait, Emily, that's so
1: funny. I need to show you a picture of an um, ornament on my tree right now. So, mine's more
0: chic than I've yours, had it, no offense. I've, I've, I've had it sitting here like this all day. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to call it? Uh, I've already decided it's Toby. Oh my god, yours is beautiful. I know, yours Gary. is taxidermy so version you've of got my cute feet. You've felt got to watch thing. this video of Jade. You know how wow. she has a oh, whole bird face. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Shut up.
0: <laughs> she honestly nearly had oh a heart attack. Oh my gosh, she, it's like she's gonna cry. Yeah, mm-hmm. I actually had to go give her a hug after and say sorry. <laughs> you know, um, it's <laughs> so funny. She's always hated birds. She's got a full fear. Um, I need to get rid of this. No, I love right, it. So, where did you to, buy that from? I went to Adair's. This, I went to Adair's. That morning. was in Adair's. That was That's in Adair's. for it on, Adair's. No, they have budgies, all different types of well, birds. Well, yeah, we're gonna get into that. Well, yeah, anyway, little, we'll this is a little about, um is, Easter egg for next week's episode. Yeah, well. Where where? <laughs> I po right now. Yeah, I, know. I need. I actually okay, come on. No, no. no okay, quick, deep breath. Okay, okay. <sighs> okay, we need a pipe down. Yeah, okay. Because I need to actually is, tell you something. Oh, Posey started walking. I know. I know. It's not like so really cute. like. all like I need to make an announcement on the podcast, but it's just so good. It's so it's just, cute. How good is it when your kids can take steps? Yeah, and it walk is. Around it's kind of um, that good. It's so cute, and it's the start of a new
1: part of. Your I, life, I yes. think, because no more grubby knees, well, or no. they kind of do still get grubby, but it's just different. They're not on the ground. And I just
0: feel like she's a different person. Like, yes, I was in her room packing her bag, and I could just hear someone. School, <laughs> and then suddenly, and she's actually fine. She ran out to the, for the <laughs> <laughs> And then I like could hear something outside the bedroom door, and I look out, and she's just walking down the corridor, and I'm just like what the hell i I have a walking child it's so cute and i just feel like she's so much older now already yeah Yeah. and is she confident with it yes way more confident like before she wouldn't even if you tried to stand her up she would kick her legs and refuse to put it to the point where i was like oh my god are you actually going to ever walk because yeah it's just so funny hearing you say this because mm. you so
1: rush your first kid yeah i know murphy is nine and a half months almost 10 months no she's nine and a half Mm. months and She's cl- very close she's, to walking, yeah. and I'm like, Get down! Yeah,
0: you're restraining her. Yeah,
1: I don't want yeah. this. To she ha- occur. She's seated
0: 90% of the day. Yeah, I strap her into crams <laughs> and stuff so she can't practice. <laughs> yeah, but, it's um, funny. but yeah, that's been my highlight. And I went back to Aldi yesterday, I took How the whole ban. I've actually got an Aldi update too. I'm annoyed, <sighs> I've got the shits with it. Why? Oh, I'll tell you, you about you tell my experience. Yeah, um, so. Really good. Had a really good experience. I spent ninety seven dollars there, and that's I all. To, yeah, I know, bargain, absolute bargain. Oh. Like well, I what couldn't What am I doing it. wrong,
1: for God's sake? Well,
0: I went. I spent ninety seven dollars there, and then I went to Woolies and spent hundred and twenty. So, I, oh, okay. but I had to at Woolies. I had to buy like spray and wipe and washing. Why liquid didn't you get that from Aldi? Because I wanted a particular one from Woolworths, and I, mm. I bought my meat from Woolworths. But still, I thought ninety seven dollars was pretty good. No,
1: but, you, no, but, but I but have, no, an, you, I have you a problem. Can't, you can't call that. You can't say ninety seven dollars
0: for the weekly shop. No, I'm not. I'm saying I'm saying two hundred and seventeen. Okay, that's what yeah. I spent last week yeah. at Aldi. Yeah, wow. Well, yeah, but, but I have a problem. What? I took Luke and Posey, which was okay. But I hated it. Not, Luke just has this thing about the middle aisle. So he just kept wanting to go. He's like, I'm just going to go back to the middle aisle. I'm like, okay. So I'm just yeah, trying to it, control the baby in the in the trolley, and then he's just in the middle aisle. And then I get up to the counter, and I, and I could actually—he's he's got, got a whippersnipper. He's <laughs> got a whippersnipper and a mini bar. <laughs> and at one stage, I could see him in the aisle. I was walking up towards him. I could see him with his phone. Taking photos of the uh, of the items and the labels, trying to remind himself. What yeah, to come and I'm back like, and what are you, What are you doing? He's like, oh, this just looks really cool. And I'm like, we We don't need that. Like, we don't. What need. was it specifically? It was like some sort of tent thing. I'm like, we literally oh, don't need that. And then, see? And then we get to the counter, and he's like, I'm just going to go back to the middle aisle. I'm like, okay, I'll just be, I, I'll just restrain you, the baby yeah. here, and while I <laughs> try and put all the stuff up on the thing, and it's all well, really speedy. Yeah, it's speedy Gonzales, and I need help. And then he um. <laughs> So then he went and then we get home. He's like, oh, how's they had a TV at Aldi for $200? And I'm like, oh, cool. We don't need a TV. He's like, yeah, we need one in our room. I'm like, No, no, we don't. <laughs> like, we actually don't. And then he comes back he, out a bit later. The prices are enabling his yeah. um And wants. he reckons he's found the same TV from, like, Harvey Norman or something. It's Philips for $400. Um, and he's like, it's a bargain. We're saving – like, it's. I'm like – but we are don't need girl it. Like, you're trying to do girl math. Yeah, stop doing girl math on me. You're like, fine, okay, I'm getting the Chanel shoes. <laughs> yeah, fine, fine, yeah. fine.
1: Oh, oh God. Um, anyway,
0: it was good. Still, still not but you're g- still going to both. The prices are not as down as low as I'd like them to be yet, but I think we will get there. I've got beef. Yeah. Tell me, I've tell me, tell, with me with tell me your Aldi experience this week. Well, I, didn't I mention last week that when I went there, they didn't have
1: the coin required for the yeah, trolleys, which, yeah, which yeah, made yeah. me happy because I, yeah. I just... You, I don't know why I've got a vendetta against yeah. Coins it's annoying. Trolleys. It's annoying. Yeah, it's just not it's not it. No. I don't know what it is. I just am like why do I have to remember something? You know what it is? I never have
0: cash. No. I don't want to carry who around does that little really key ring thing. Really these days, who has cash? Yeah, I've got my Apple iPhone. Mm. My yeah. Apple. Can I tap? Can I tap for my yeah, trolley? Honestly, honestly, they better. should. That would be better. Anyway,
1: like maybe this is a um we're brainstorming technology that act- yeah but so anyway the week prior they didn't have the gog all of mm. the trolleys were unlocked so i thought fab cool uh, that tick one mm. i've moved on from this vendetta mm. so this week i went i didn't take pack a coin this time mm. because last week you didn't i didn't one? need it no this week however i did need one oh, so then i didn't so have a nice. coin i've just gone there i've like sorted out the kids i don't have the kids with me i've left them with dan so i'm not going to Go home and get another coin. No. But so then I go in and I say, "Excuse me, do you have a spare coin?" Because, yeah. you know, I've already got the shits, and they're probably looking at me being like, "This woman's just coming in to complaining." Take yeah, yeah, yeah. This woman and he's like, has "You a can buy." Against us. Well, yeah, exactly. And he said, "You can buy the key ring. Mm. It's ninety-nine cents." And I'm just like, "Just, just, just buy morally the shop. Just give it to me." Mo- yeah, morally, I don't want to. I'm mm. already going to pay fifty million dollars mm. here. I don't want to have to pay for the trolley that have I'm to putting pack back my
0: own facts yeah it- and
1: also be consistent mm. so that i Choose know what you want wh- what what i need mm-hmm. or not anyway
0: somehow i
1: did a smaller shop mm. than i did the week prior mm. but i spent more. great i no, i spent way more oh no not great no. awful <laughs> you're not actively listening to me emily you're passively <laughs> listening <laughs> Whatever, guys. Okay, so basically, screw. How, how much
0: did you spend? Okay, well, this is what I'm really annoyed about. Okay, what? So this time, you, last you know week why I spent, you spent so much because why? you went down the middle aisle. I didn't. I didn't <laughs> want any. Actually, I did buy a cake
1: beater. You know, like an electric so, cake mixer thing. Yeah. But it was
0: twelve dollars. That's not putting me over yeah, the edge. Yeah, something's tipped you over though. Clearly, something. I don't
1: know what it is because mm. I didn't. I didn't even. It was just a top up shop, basically. Mm. Anyway, but I think I spent like two hundred and. Something. that's unusual it was really unusual did and you then, buy oh, your meat i from did there? buy my meat from there this time yeah, wow so I, I spent 200 and something mm. and then i went to woolies because i needed nappies mm. and so your prices
0: your your shops are really just going up and up <laughs>
1: every <laughs> week it's more no matter what i do i spend more so i may as well oh, just I, shop where i want yeah
0: but <gasps> then i went to woolies and
1: i got one bag guess how much it was
0: $100. It was $100. A it yeah. was ridiculous. Yes. The one one brown paper bag. I mean I did get nappies and wipes. Mm, doesn't and chocolate. matter. chocolate. Yeah, cuz I I've, I've written stupid. off Aldi chocolate. I'm not into it. What's on your wish list for this week? I don't have anything. No, actually so f- I don't either. I actually if I get one more Black oh, Friday my, now like it's not Black Friday. I like a uh, thank you for the sales <sighs> early but just let I'm me I'm happy with it like a week earlier or a few days earlier. I don't need a, a but every Black Friday everybody month. Like, it really has, feels like it's gone psycho this mm, year. It's actually... And actually,
1: t- the sales are only on the crap. It should mm. be 30% off store-wide. Yeah. I don't want I know, 30% know, off the crap that no one yeah, else wants, I, you know? I
0: agree. I agree. I don't want 30% off your sale items that are already shit and on sale. No, but yeah, I, d- I do love mean, a sale on sale, I must say.
1: I like a sale on sale, but only the sale on sale on something
0: that I want. Mm. But usually the things that are on sale on sale... Are last season. So in today's episode, we are interviewing the incredible Gillian Bremer. Gillian is a business and life coach and she is passionate about empowering people with the confidence to build their dreams and find their authentic power. Yeah, it was such a great conversation
1: to have with her. I'd been following her for a little while and I just love her perspective on how to find what you're truly supposed to be doing and what that feels like when you do find it um and you know if you're in a stay a transitional stage in your life of where do you want to go from here what are you doing basically the whole premise of this podcast us mm-hmm. discussing these kind of topics she just had some really insightful um approaches to how she helps her clients and people that she works with and how she's done this in mm. her own life so i feel like it was a really interesting story for yeah, her to share and it
0: really resonated with us and i'm sure it'll yes. resonate with our listeners as well just the approach she has like looking at manifestation and human design and yes and how understanding who you are can help
1: you find what you're supposed to be doing yeah yeah she just (laughs) gives really practical advice yeah and not necessarily along the lines of you know you need to quit your job and move houses and move to a different country yeah
0: it's very uh like how can you live in the now and yeah that's what i like about the conversation is we actually talk about things that you can implement after listening to the episode so it actually gives you things that you can take away and start putting into your life to discover who you are we love this yeah love it so we hope you love it
2: too
0: welcome jillian thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today do you want to start by telling us a little bit about yourself and who you are?
2: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited about this conversation. Yeah, so I like to think of myself in, I guess we can, since I'm obsessed with human design, we could start talking in human design terms. I'm a three-five manifesting generator. So for anyone that's listening that maybe doesn't know about um, human design, what that means is I'm basically the great life experimenter. <laughs> And I really truly live my life that way. I would say that um, I learn best from just like jumping head first into things and figuring them out as I go. And so that's pretty much me in a nutshell and just how I've, uh, yeah, how I've got to where I am. But aside from that, yeah, I'm Jillian, I'm uh, 38. So I know you guys are um, obviously all about the decade of the thirties and I'm from a really (laughs) small town. My high school mascot was a hillbilly. I always think that's like a really fun fact. No yeah. That's great. Yeah. Isn't that great? Um, so that explains that part. I yeah. don't even need to, I feel like, go into detail. Um, but I always had a dream of living like big city life. So I, when I went to college, that was kind of my whole mission was to work in the fashion industry in a big city. And so I ended up in San Francisco, which is where I am now. And that's how I found my way here was through fashion. Wow. So when did you move to San Fran? I moved to San Francisco after college. It was my first job out of college um, with Gap Inc. They're headquartered here in the Bay. And um, that was in 2006.
1: What made you like, what kind of drove the desire to want to live in a big city and, and get out of the town that you grow in? That's so interesting.
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's such a good question, because I just adore my family. So it has nothing to do about my family. (laughs) I had like a wonderful upbringing and really enjoyed like my friendships and all that. But I think it was this thought of just possibility and of like, what, what could be possible and in a small town, it just quieter. And so I just had this like desire that like, working maybe in a corporate job or setting that you could really really become an expert or a master at something and yeah be known in your field for an expertise or something and I think that kind of desire or just thought really drove me to like how kind of um question like how do people do that yeah I think that's been my whole journey is just like how do you do it how do you become how do you become somebody
0: yeah Thinking more about the how rather than just doing.
2: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Really just um, leaning into curiosity. I think that's always been, and I think that's part of my three, five, like the experimenting process. It's just like following curiosities without almost overthinking them. It's just kind of like diving in and being just yeah, being curious about something and following that. Yeah, I love that. And I guess
1: you kind of have to be comfortable with feeling uncomfortable mm. if, if that's how you like lead your life, if you're diving into something just with curiosity, because it is going to be a huge learning process for you the whole time. You know, you're not like mastering something and then trying, you just diving in headfirst. So you must be comfortable with that. Yeah,
2: well, yeah, I think it's a <laughs> lifelong journey. Um, but I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. Um, both my dad what had his own house painting business, co- construction, contracting, and then he's a big antique dealer. And then um, my grandparents owned a hardware store and Lumberyard, which is my first job at age wow. 14. <laughs> I know. So it's always been in my blood to just be an entrepreneur I grew up Mm -hmm. with people making you know their own agendas and um, schedules but I do think that it it, until you learn how to live in the unknown which is taking me a good decade plus to learn the other side of that and the flip side is that it can make you very dysregulated too also Mm -hmm. like really being in that like over trying energy where you feel like you have to really like fend for yourself or it's actually, it's a survival, a true survival Mm. pattern. Um, So being able to kind of discern between the two has been a journey. I can't wait to get into this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, yeah, that's really interesting about kind of making the move to San Francisco, but I, I think you've touched on this a little bit, but it'd be great if you could touch a little bit more on like the kind of careers you had. I know you started out at Gap, but yeah, just, really interested to hear more around those career decisions and then decisions that you made to pivot and what did you pivot into and and where are you at now?
2: Yeah, so like I said, I've always loved fashion and I went to school at Syracuse University and upstate New York for retail management and marketing. I was one of those people that was like, I know what I want to do and I'm going to do it. Um, I remember my mom giving me a list of majors of like possible possibilities for college and she there was a point where I had no idea what I wanted to do and so she gave me this list and she was like cross out anything you don't want to do because she was kind of getting annoyed oh, so by the genius. fact that she would make all yeah of these. I love that she supports make all
0: of these yeah uh, I just got given a book It was like these are all the possible careers and degrees which, one, which yeah. one do you like the sound of and I was like I don't know what any of this means mm. but actually thinking about the things that don't resonate with you yeah a better mm. yes because you don't yeah, really when know when
2: it, you're that age <laughs> you don't and I remember my mom you know we'd be driving somewhere and she'd be like well what about this or what about and I'd be like no I don't want to do that and so I think she got really annoyed for me being so just like defensive that at some point she was just like okay we're gonna do it the other way how about you cross out everything you don't want to do and there was literally like three things left <laughs> that's good. so that's how yeah that's how we narrowed it down which I actually thought was brilliant in hindsight um And so I went to school for retail management and marketing and I, um, did an internship in, um, so it was really more like the business side of fashion. And I ended up, my dream was to move to New York city. I am from New York, obviously the other side of the state, but it was like, I'm going to move to New York and I'm going to be a buyer. So I got a taste of that. I was uh, fortunate enough to get an internship with a buying internship with the Bloomingdale's, um, corporate offices in New York for a summer I think it was like my junior year summer after I had just gotten back from studying abroad in London. And it just felt like everything was kind of falling into place. However, at the end of the internship, I didn't get the offer to come back for a full-time job. And I was devastated. It felt like just kind of a a blow. Like I really enjoyed it. And I just kind of, yeah, it was a little defeating. So I went back to school, finished my senior year and um, continued interviewing for jobs and ended up um, getting an offer with the Gap Inc. retail management training program, which was a nine-month cross-functional training program. So it was almost like a mini grad school for retail. And in it was 20 trainees that were all in similar life points where we had just graduated college, moved to San Francisco. And it was an amazing way to learn how the career, the job actually worked before actually doing the job. Yeah. So I ended up staying with the Gap Inc. and working for their old Navy brand for about two and a half years in merchandising. And it was just like a crash course in just retail and how how different functions work and how the whole product lifecycle comes together. And it was it was an incredible, incredible experience. And still mm-hmm. some of my lifelong friends are from that program. Which, oh my gosh, you guys, I think that was almost 20 years ago, right, wow. like 2006. 20. Yeah, like a long, long yeah. time ago. It's crazy how time flies. And so after I think I did that for two and a half years. And then I got a call in the retail industry. It's like a small industry. Mm. And so there's all, all recruiters all the time trying to get you to come to other big companies. And I remember getting a call from American Eagle Outfitters, and they're headquartered in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So back on the East Coast, <laughs> pretty close to where I'm from. And It just some of they had this opportunity. They were starting a kids' brand. It was like a mini American Eagle, which is so was so cute. Um, and they had this idea on paper and they were recruiting a team. And so it was a startup opportunity for this large organization. And while the gap experience had been amazing, it was so detailed like it's Mm -hmm. uh, when you're an assistant merchant you become really good at one really specific thing and this was an opportunity to start like becoming having more of a macro scope over Mm -hmm. a true division in multiple places like gap too
1: it's so big and such a well-oiled machine that there is someone doing like a tenth of a tenth of a job that would be someone like 10 people would do like one job that at a startup, yeah. one person is kind of owning all of that. So you do get very specialized.
2: Mm. So I it is, and it starts to also purposeful. yeah. And when you have such an entrepreneurial spirit and passion, it also can be a little limiting. Um, when you really want to just like try things and learn and kind of flow. And so the American Eagle opportunity, I it I didn't want to necessarily leave California and just my network, but the job itself was such an incredible opportunity, and it and it ended up being an. Inc- incredible, incredible opportunity. I worked for American Eagle for four years, really just shy of four years, mm-hmm. moved to Pittsburgh. And um, the, the we took this idea from paper, opened an online website, and then opened up 25 stores and wow. built a team and got so much exposure to other functions that I didn't necessarily get exposure to at mm-hmm. GAP when I was just in this really focused area. So It was just such an expansive, expansive couple years of traveling and building this and really learning how to build a brand. And it's funny at the time, I had no idea that I was going to like use that to actually do a similar thing later, (laughs) but, um, it's funny how it all, it all shakes out. I think that happens a lot on your path where you don't have to try that hard. What's meant for you really.
1: It'll make it's way. Yes.
2: (laughs) It makes its way, and it's only in hindsight can we ever really see and honor that. Absolutely, um, and it's it's hard. Yeah, I but feel like
1: I'm in I'm in the zone now where mm. I'm my path. I feel like I'm at the beginning of a path, and I don't know where it's gonna end up. But I know that from hindsight with other paths that I've gone down, that it's all worked out, but I, it's so uncomfortable to be like at the mm. beginning or halfway through that path where you're like, where am I going? I don't know what I'm doing. But then at some point you will look back and go,
0: oh, this all led me to here. We always say to each other, it always, it all and works we- out. And then we're like, ah, oh, can we say that? And then we're like, no, we, we can't. It
1: always
2: yeah. does. Like-, <laughs> it's like, it's always, it always yeah. works out
1: in the wash. That's what we always say. <laughs>
2: It really, really does. And it's like, it's such a hard thing to hold because we know the larger vision in our head. Mm. So it's it's like this weird juxtaposition of like holding that vision, but then like actually having to take the small, small baby steps of getting there. So that adds up and like believing in the vision because that's also, you know, sometimes we're like, God, is that where we're going? How are we going to get there? I'm not, I don't feel like I can, I'm not that person yet. So it is definitely a journey. But at American Eagle, they, again, journeys change. (laughs) And we got a new management team and they uh, came in and they decided to close the brand. And when that happened, the the brand dissolved. And um, that's when I decided to take the opportunity to like leave corporate America for a minute. I had been, Getting burned out. It was a lot of work, a lot of traveling. And while I absolutely loved it, I also, um, it had lit like an entrepreneurial flame in me of like, oh, maybe I could do this. I gotta try. I gotta like try something. And so I knew that I wanted to
1: try something, or did you have like a specific idea? Yeah. Okay.
2: Mm -hmm. Something. Yeah. I didn't really know. And at that time, I had been really inspired by. Pinterest was just like new. This is when I was still working at AE, but Pinterest was kind of coming up. There were these like fashion bloggers that were like starting to like share their outfits while they were at work. And then there were these ex-marketing experts like Gary Vaynerchuk and um, Seth Godin. And I started seeing how people, individuals could become authorities in what they loved. Mm. And I was really inspired by just that start in the digital world of shifting and i really wanted to follow it of this i love it yeah and i think being at that
0: sort of like you're at a crossroads you've sort of shifting away from where you were moving into something Completely different, but it's sort of scary because you don't really know what yeah. what is coming next. What were you feeling at that time? Did you feel like stressed? Were you feeling like I don't know what I'm
1: doing? Who am I? Or or did you feel quite invigorated by the the thought, like the opportunity? Oh, okay, like I'm losing my job, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm actually ready to go into something new. Like, how did that feel?
2: Oh man, yeah, I feel like change. Right? It's like we only make change when we have to make change. <laughs> I don't know that I would have ever left my job. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I when people, I think everyone has such a different story of. Going Going down their entrepreneurial path, but, and it's different for everyone. But for me, it ended up, my path ended up being, um, I was so thankful enough to get a severance package. So it gave me a bit of time. And I think time is so important as you're figuring it out. And so I, I took it. I, did, I had no idea what I was going to do, but I also found confidence in um, knowing what my skill set is. It's like, I have all this experience. I can always do this again. I can always. Yeah, always for another job, and yeah, okay, always. And so, having kind of knowing that in the back of my head was kind of like a security blanket, mm. and so. What I did was I took some time off. I was like, all right, I, I just got to get out of Pittsburgh. I really miss California. So I took some time off, uh, moved out of Pittsburgh, took some time to travel and spend some time with friends around the country. Um, my sister was living in Hawaii at the time. So doing a little soul searching. love that. <laughs> and then- it was uh yeah it was very a lot of things kind of came through including a sublet offer from an old roommate and she was like hey i'm leaving and i'm gonna i have to leave all my i'm gonna leave my furniture for you do you want to rent my room and it was just like you know divine timing and so i took the opportunity knowing that it was like you know not a big commitment that there's a lot of retail in san francisco and i was like i'm just going back to san francisco So I got there, I got back to San Francisco (laughs) (laughs) and I, I I should also back up a minute because when I took time off traveling, I also was spending time with my family, which included my dad, who's the big antiquer. My parents are divorced and my dad's a bachelor. And so, you know, (laughs) when you're hanging out with your dad, it's like, what do you do? do? You're a girl in fashion so I started going doing things that he liked to do that I could find joy too. And so we started going antiquing together. Yes. And that's when I was like, look, it was noticing I hadn't been out in a vintage secondhand, you know, market. I've been looking at fashion, high-end brands, mm. and you know, what are people wearing and um shifting that focus, but with that kind of new, with that newly trained merchant eye, I was just like. Wowed by the quality of vintage jewelry, particular. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just started collecting, and I was like, What if I, you know, what if I just started selling this out of a hobby and just got to tinker and learn how all this works? And so when I got to San Francisco, Shopify just started, um, which is an e commerce platform, uh, yeah. very it. beginning days. And No one was really doing this like whole influencing, like personal brand with what they were selling. So I had a lot of doubt around that because I felt like there wasn't a lot of people kind of showing the way or paving the path. There's so many more now. So I was really hesitant about how do I, how am I part of the brand and sharing my style and styling these vintage pieces and selling them? Because... Essentially, if you're not on a, a marketplace like Etsy or eBay, it really comes down to you mm. um, selling them through you and your community. So i spent I spent a lot of time in that first year. Just had you know the time from the severance package and was just kind of learning how to create a e commerce store. So it was really like a passion project, I would say, of just how does all of this work? You know, like how do all these functions work? How do I create something? How do I make it? usable? How do you create a brand and colors and get a logo? And so that was the, the first year and it was fun, but it was also really scary. But I found a lot of inspiration by connecting with a lot with the other creatives in San Francisco. Mm. And there's such a creative entrepreneurial community. And those early days, meeting people also doing passion projects, whether it was in e-commerce or, you know, creative services like photography or graphic design. I had a lot of friends in the influencer space in the early days. Uh, they really inspired me to just keep going because I could see that no one really knew what they were doing. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I wasn't the
2: only one. <laughs> I
1: really feel like San Francisco has that energy about it too. Even still, I mean, I haven't been there in three or four four years now, I think. But I remember when I first moved there, I could just sense that there's so many people there with that energy and they're just trying something. And there was companies that would just like pop up and open up a store in Hayes Valley or something, and it would just take off. And there's really Mm, that energy. There's so So, much
0: innovation and yes. Yeah, I guess like taking taking a risk. Yeah, so many people taking and knowing risks. that you need to take the risk to reap the rewards. Mm-hmm. And and I guess you were in a really beautiful situation there, where you you had you had this you'd sort of been given a bit of a gift, where you had this period of time where you'd left your role, you'd been given the severance, severance and then you. It's it's sort of like opened up this opportunity for you to really self-discover and work out where it is that you really want to be. But being Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, it definitely was an exploratory time and chapter. And it also, yeah, it was very a lot of trial and error. It was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but let's all collaborate too. And did a lot of like partnerships and pop-up shops and events. Yeah, so how did that kind eventuate?
1: Was it just an online store when you first started? Or or kind of how did that idea initially come to life?
2: Yeah, so it was uh, an online store as as we started. But then it was like, okay, now we got to market this thing. So then I started marketing through myself and sharing, but then also working with influencers and partnering with local boutiques and selling consignment to get my name out there, Um, having pop-ups at my apartment, um, having them at local boutiques, doing photo shoots to help creative uh, photographers get their name out. So it was a lot of like trade like hey let's do this collaboration and I'll tag you and you tag me and Mm -hmm. Instagram honestly I think came out that first year it wasn't even Uh, a thing in the first year so it was more of like yeah, let's do, let's do a photo shoot together and I'll bring the jewelry and you bring the food and we'll do this and then we'll submit it for publication. Oh, I (laughs) love that. I feel like that's just
0: the beginner of influencer marketing though, because
2: at that point, no one
0: really knew like, what was an influencer and and what can an influencer do? And that's, people would say that's not a job. Well, it used to be blogs. Like I had a blog loving, like was it
1: a blog loving? Is that what it was called? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I had that and I would just post like random I don't even know what I need to find it but random outfits on like before school like out the yeah. front of my parents driveway like it there was no Instagram thing but it was yeah. just blogs and you would need to write or Tumblr like, yeah, a bit Tumblr. of Tumblr days
0: did you was that a thing in America sure it is. <laughs> yeah yeah, sure. yeah 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 I hated Tumblr Yeah. still love Tumblr. Yeah, yeah. I'm going back to it now. (laughs) So when you started in with your vintage retail, was that, did you start in luxury vintage or did you?
2: No, that's such a good question. No, it's all started out of American made costume, vintage costume jewelry. So like 1950s through 1990s the quality of vintage costume jewelry is just incredible like they the pieces don't really tarnish they have like a nice weight to that I mean well actually yeah. the is that I'm wearing today but yeah vintage vintage costume jewelry is just it's incredible the detail mm-hmm. they use glass rhinestones which today they now use acrylic it's mm. just it just is you look at it and it's just like, you're so much off for the pieces. So that's really where my love started for. And then it ended up blossoming along the journey because I ended up, I ended up somehow, I cannot even tell you how running, building and running this company for nine years. Wow. Wow.
0: wow.
1: Was there any years? you thought, oh, I don't know if I'm going to do this full time or, or from the point that you started, the Shopify and started the online business and kind of doing the first, I guess, iterations of influencing did from that point, you kind of knew, okay, yes, I can sustain my life doing this. Or did it take a while?
2: You know, I think that was that, that was one of the things it was, I just had sheer willpower. It was Mm -hmm. just like, I'm doing, I'm doing this. I don't know how, I don't even really know what I'm doing. I don't even really know where it's going and I'm doing it anyway. And that was just that was just it. It was like the knowing it's kind of like what you guys are saying before we hopped on here. It's like, when you just like know something in your body, mm-hmm. it was just, I'm doing it. I'm doing this. I love it. Yeah.
1: I love it too. <laughs> For nine years too. And then you ended up opening, at what point did you open up the store on Fillmore street in San Fran?
2: Yeah. So about, I would say about five years in, I met a business partner Emily, who also came from the retail industry, but she came from the design side, so she had more of a creative background. She was actually um, a a jewelry designer and really great with uh, photography and brand direction and also had a blog and loved vintage costume jewelry and, you know, how the world just brings the right people to at the right time. (laughs) Our paths just crossed serendipitously, and we ended up, she ended up moving from New York to San Francisco with her husband, and it was, like, a couple years of, like, us getting to know each other, and become, we became friends before we, you know, became business partners, and that's when, when she came on board, she really, help together to um, take it into a brand, build it into a brand. And when we were able to build it into a brand, that's when we opened stores. And the first store was in San Francisco on Fillmore Street in the charming Pacific Heights neighborhood. And we did a whole host of pop-ups and things before, before that. And that's when we also started selling increasing our collection so we started selling luxury vintage like Chanel was what we were really known for and Louis Vuitton and Hermes and Gucci and just all the good European luxury Mm -hmm. brands and then we also started selling women's uh, new women's clothing so we loved the idea of mixing new with old we Neither one of us are really big fans of vintage clothing at the time, so we wanted to like make modernize vintage in that way by showing people the first, how to the real style real it.
1: <laughs> one of yes. the first of the real real.
2: That's <laughs> so interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it ended up like morphing into a vintage, uh, feminine women's lifestyle brand, and mm. really having a strong aesthetic.
1: And actually, I feel like I haven't asked this yet, but where where did you go? for like finding and sourcing the pieces. Like, was that almost a full-time job in and of itself? Or, cause I know you said you were kind of going to markets and, and you know, places like that with your dad before you got started, but what did that look mm, like yeah. in terms of sourcing in the end? Oh,
2: that is such a good, good question. Cause I'm, yeah, I just skipped over a huge part in the first five <laughs> years, there was a yeah. lot of things happening. And one of the big things was um, I spent a lot of time with my dad traveling around the country going to big antique fairs and really like learning how to source, learning everything there is to learn about vintage costume jewelry, where to find it, quality, being able to like discern mm-hmm. between, you know, tarnish versus not, um, th- learning the different designers over those d- decades, uh, which was just so fun to spend time with my dad in that way. And is he a an
1: that- in that? Is that why you were doing that with him?
2: my dad loves everything and anything vintage so he's not like necessarily a jewelry guy but he just loves antiquing so we we learned together but he knows Mm -hmm. the vintage industry because it's just it's a different industry it's Mm -hmm. um a lot of flea markets and big shows and a lot of older the sellers are like older it's a very cash-based business just it's like just different it's a lot different than yeah, different world. So he was oh, able to. Help nice. me he got to that. bring you into
1: his world.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Nice.
1: Okay. So yeah, you were do- you were doing that for for the first kind of year or before you were getting started. There was a lot of learning the I guess history of flea markets and vintage sourcing and the history of designing and things like that. And that's kind of how you started sourcing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I would go on these big trips uh, to big antique fairs. Like one of my favorite ones is uh, Mount Dora in Florida. It's outside of Orlando. There's another good one outside of Boston called Brimfield. There's Round Top in Texas. There's like going to these big antique fairs where thousands and thousands of vendors would come and set up for like a week in an the antique week. And I would just go and buy in bulk. I would buy hundreds if not thousands of pieces at one time. Wow. And then I'd come back from these big trips and clean them and um, start to organize them into collections and then roll them out seasonally too. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. Sort of like you curated online.
1: it.
0: Yeah, your own. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. when you started to move into the sort of the more luxury side of things, how did how did you know if you were
2: buying something that was authentic? Yeah, that's such a good question. Again, a lot of learning.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and my business partner is such an expert in the luxury side of things. So I learned a lot from her. And then we just learned a lot together mm. through really learning the quality standards of all of the designers and how they mark and date their pieces. And then also learning like the evolution of their branding and their logos and the styles over the decades Mm. and then I mean at this point now I've seen thousands and thousands of luxury pieces now it's just like an ingrained you just know it's like intuition yeah (laughs) from experience it's like experience combined with knowledge is just like a knowing um yeah
1: yeah that's great and so what did you love most about running that business because you've now pivoted into something else, but, um, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I, I love the most is just learning the creative process, like how to create something. I think that is what always drove me was just this needing to know how to make something come to life in real physical form. That's what just drove me. Um, and through learning learning all of the different practical business knowledge that you would need. I just, I gaped out on it to learning everything there is to know about marketing, to sourcing, to finances, to funding. It was just constant learning how to do, how to make something happen.
0: You're drawn towards the how again. Yes.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think uh, one of the big things, yeah, as I was uh, prepping today, it was like, um, yeah, just being fascinated by bringing an understanding to what was already happening. So here I was having these experiences. And so many times I was like, I don't even know why is this happening or what's happening or why is this happening? And it kind of started in like a practical business sense. It was like, why am I not selling this? Why isn't this working? Or why... Am I not growing or why, you know, those types of questions. And then it led into this, like, you know, this whole journey, then of personal development of like, well, why am I frustrated? Or why am I burned out? Or like, why, why is this happening to me? Mm-hmm. So that's been my whole journey has been like, how, why, <laughs> why, how? how, how, and why, why? <laughs> yeah, how, how and why. I love that. Yeah. So maybe, maybe let's
1: touch on now where, you know, you've pivoted into now and this kind of new journey that you're on, we'd love to learn a little bit more about, you know, what that is and, maybe you're at the beginning stages, you're not quite sure yet, but yeah, let's, let's start talking about how you pivoted and what you're kind of working on now.
2: Yeah. So after the pandemic, as it illuminated so many things for so many people, that's when um, for us, we had two retail stores, one in San Francisco, and we had one in LA in West Hollywood at the time as well. And we were just running into so many operational issues from robberies. We were highly targeted for our luxury goods. We had, Um, funding issues obviously with the stores being closed for so long and sales being down and people not getting dressed up and going places yeah
0: sort of everything that could have gone wrong
2: (laughs) and we kept fighting is what it felt like and Mm. then our Instagram we had like 50,000 followers got deleted for oh. so-called copyright infringement, which is very is a very common thing in the vintage side mm-hmm. of things because these luxury brands really, you know, don't want other people selling their products. And yeah. so they're really particular. You can sell, it's not that you can't sell, it's that the way you label things, the way you present them has to be very, very intentionally thought out and managed. Mm-hmm so that you're not flagged or questioned because as soon as you're questioned, um, it's really hard on Instagram, if anyone has ever had any issues on Instagram to get in touch with anyone, like a, a physical person.
1: I, I've heard about this, but we luckily have a friend who works for Facebook here locally and we've had a couple of friends who have had their instagrams deleted and somehow by the grace of god our friend she, she manages anytime something how.
0: happens it's like we can get we could ring ring her yeah 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 and she's
1: she's done it a few times so she's like our little special um instagram that's incredible keep her god. keep
0: yes. her close keep her happy yeah. <laughs> so did you end up getting your instagram back after we it?
2: never did oh. we never did and you know Yeah, There was a moment in time because that's your, that's your business. That's your livelihood. Mm. And
1: that one company or one person can just take that away.
2: Yeah. And our customers, thank Mm -hmm. God we had a really robust email list. So we were, and we had stores. So Mm. we had these two other channels. We, but it it just reminded, it really helped me understand that the power of building a business that you Mm. own, like making sure you have like a central place that you're doing business from, because it's so important when you you don't own Instagram. I think we all forget this. Mm. And we lost so much content too, like so many of the early days of my early journey with my dad and those things that like, it's just gone. Yeah, yeah. it's special. So it just felt like a lot of things and I uh, kind of layering together. And I think at that point too, on top of that, it was just feeling like this burned out. Mm-hmm. where it's like, we ca- even after the robberies, it was like, we will, we're going to get back out there and we're going to just keep fighting. But you also have to have discernment about around like, how long are you willing to keep fighting mm-hmm. for and struggling? And it is hard because you do for a business at the beginning, it takes a lot of work and a lot of sacrifice. And then you also kind of have to know how to balance that with like the reality of like, What's happening in your own personal limits and needs, and it's a really hard balance. And I think that's where we got to this point of like things are getting really hard. And we also have to be smart enough to balance reality mm. and our own personal needs and limits and lifestyles and what we've already sacrificed. And how far, how much farther are we willing to go? Mm-hmm. And mm, we have to have a we, You really do. And we were so lucky to have gotten some great funding from the disaster relief programs we had time to explore this question it was never it was never like a oh my gosh this is happening to us and we feel like victims I felt like when we decided to close this company it was from a really empowered place of choice and we looked at everything we were like what is what could it be if we went from here what if we changed the whole thing and did this like we looked at every angle And it just, none of them felt right to Mm -hmm. either of us. And so I think that's where we looked at each other and we had this epiphany one day. We were like, maybe this is it. Like we did the thing, Mm. we did the thing. And like from that, I even get just chill saying that because we did this, that was the dream. There was never really a dream from there. We never really had a larger vision. And I think that's just a mix of like the nature of vintage and getting into retail and operations and commercial responsibilities when you have a physical brick and mortar store. And yeah, it, it was like a, it ended up being a really natural stopping point. That was a very empowered decision on both of our ends to close. Yeah, and so how
0: empowering. I was actually just about to say how empowering, empowering that you were able to, I guess, identify together that that's where you were at and to be able to walk away as well and be proud and of what admit you've done it too like admit it and accept it yeah. not admit yeah it's because it is an achievement you've got to where you imagined you'd be
2: yeah and you hit it on the nail too because there's this i wrote down as i was prepping today it's like this word of surrender mm-hmm. i think for so long my i had been in this like i will do it like i can do it i will do it i love this brand it was like out of passion so driven and then there was just surrendering because there was so much fear around, like, I had poured so much into this from the, uh, our offices were in my living room. We had like so much of my personal finances were tied up in it. And to be honest, when we closed, I mean, I literally wasn't sure what was going to happen. And what was I going to have to like put my things in storage and Be a little flexible for a while to save money. Like I had, when we made this decision, those were all real, real, real possibilities. And so I had to Mm -hmm. come to a point of just surrendering that I don't really know where this is all going to go. And that was so challenging. Mm -hmm. And also people don't really talk about this chapter of of quitting, closing something and how much comes just the paperwork alone of closing the accounts negotiating leases and debt and all of these things. And I mean, we could have a whole episode on that, Yeah, but
0: the logistics of it, but then also the mental and emotional connection that you have with your brand is, is you're also letting go of that sort of like going through a breakup a little bit. (laughs) Yes, It,
2: It totally is. It totally is. And then I have a business partner and we're both processing our, you know, our own things and taking care of our own stuff. And it was a a team, people that relied on us for their income. And it was a lot. And then my own taking care of my own self. And it was a lot to navigate. And, and I think that's when I had no choice but to surrender. Like I had to surrender. It was like, it came to a breaking point where it was like, this is the turning point though of everything. This is the turning point of like creating from will and then creating from like a different energetic and kind of learning what that is. And I took some time off. I had to, well, I had had this real need though. Obviously I need to take care of my financial needs too. And I need to recover personally, physically, mentally, and emotionally. And so what I did was I pivoted into business coaching Quickly, And I did that by emailing our list and just saying, hey, um, I I wrote a personal note to all of our customers and just said, hey, if anyone wants coaching, I'm pivoting, I would love to show you how I've done this. And I instantly got a handful of early clients that way. And it was so rewarding. It was so healing for me because I was going through this healing journey, but yet was able to help others. And it really gave me a sense of purpose and fulfillment and well and I guess validation really that people
1: valued what you had put out into the world too and and saw that yeah. it was a success and I guess those responses back from your client base I probably validated that for you I think
2: yeah totally and I think just anytime when we're feeling in you know distress or like healing or big things are happening in the world I'm like I always just think the answer is more connection, just like mm-hmm. truly connecting with people from like a heart centered place. And it really, it really, I had no idea what I was doing again. I I've, I've never, I've never coached, I don't know, but I I just got creative and I sat down and I wrote down like my journey and like what had helped me and kind of uh, start just started learning. And I've been doing it now for two years. And I should say when I first started, I was just doing a part time. And then in the other time I was doing a lot of walking and just like meditations and just kind of getting back to like my baseline and dealing with obviously the paperwork and the closing of the brand. But I really wasn't trying to figure anything out. Mm. It was like a very healing A big chapter of my own personal healing journey. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And do you think that is what led you down the path to coaching or was there something else that sort of drew you towards that?
2: Yeah. I think what's interesting is that coaching started out as it was like, I started, I was like, I'm a business coach. Like I will help you with practical business matters. Do you need help with you know, funding and value propositions and marketing strategies and workflow processes, like, let me help you with the practical. And then along the later half of my entrepreneurial journey, I've been so interested in my own curiosities of like, why is this happening, like bringing awareness to what I was experiencing through the the energetics of like manifestation and survival patterns. So a lot of like mindset and emotional it's, it's spiritual stuff. And so I naturally started gravitating towards helping clients with both. So many people would refer to me as like their business therapist. So all of a sudden that. I'm like a therapist for business and helping people through big transitions because so many of the big milestones in business are transferred or- big transformations, whether that's starting something and learning what it even is to be an entrepreneur to the like scaling a business and like actually like taking a risk. And then there's this whole closing chapter pivoting or change. And so really helping people through the like big milestones of business. And I should say also help a lot of people that are in corporate jobs and are like hey, I just, I don't know, I want to do something else. And I need to get back in touch with me and like explore my curiosities. So there, a lot of people are having kids and big change, moving to new cities and getting married and just helping people through these big chapters of change. And so I've been doing it for two years. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, my God, I think I'm just helping people get back in touch with their authentic power. And so it's, it's like, I don't even know that I'm, I'm a business coach. I'm a life coach. I'm a therapist. I'm like a lot of things all in one. Yeah, <laughs> And I think yeah. the way that I'm come across it or what really resonates to me is this idea of authentic power and that it comes from within mm. and not from external sources.
0: Yeah. Can you tell us a bit more about authentic power and and I guess how do we go about finding our authentic power?
2: Yeah, it's such a good question. I think we're so focused when in just the Western societies that we're, we're grow up in and finding validation from our jobs, our peers, our income, the number of likes that we get online. And so we're looking for this outside validation to validate who we are versus knowing who we are and being, finding inner security from within versus like, i need money to feel secure it's like no i feel secure and then i take action from that place mm-hmm. because the intention of the actions that we where it's coming from influence directly our results no matter what so if we're we're taking an action because we are feeling scarce or out of fear it's seasoned with that emotion, because that's what we're taking the action off of versus when it's coming from just our knowing and trusting and belief in who we are, it's coming from a really different place. So it's about learning how to get in touch with ourselves and giving ourselves permission, I think, which is such a big one, because I think so many, we all know in our hearts, like who we are, Mm -hmm. but we have a hard time feeling confident in doing that because reality or yeah, reality, external sources aren't necessarily reflecting it back to us because it's trying to make us something else. It doesn't really celebrate our individuality and our uniqueness. So what I've really found so helpful on my journey is the human design tools, human design system, I should say gene key system, and Enneagram. And those have really helped me get in touch of just who I am so that I can start to find confidence in living, leaning into those unique gifts of mine and learning how they're expressed. Mm. And so I help a lot of clients with that and giving people this permission. And I think that's the other thing, there's no, there, we, we go online and we, we see these things about like, you have to do it this way. If you wanna make X amount, like do these 10 things. And it's just not true for everyone. Everybody is so different. So the same advice is not applicable to everyone. And I think when we know who we are, then we have discernment about what we're taking in versus letting it affect how we're feeling. I love this.
1: I know I did my human design. I did it again this morning so I wanted to remind myself, but I remember the first time I read it, I'm going to try and find the bits. I've got it on my iPad in front of me here. But one of the things that came up for me was that your most important gift, gift 39, provoking with consciousness.
2: Oh my God. That's mine too. is,
1: is it. <laughs> and then your other gifts gift five ma- marching to your own rhythm and being a tastemaker and a marketeer oh
2: my gosh how funny gift 39 yes wow. I was six, I love that so much.
0: creating closeness with yes. others and I'm like that is me like
2: <laughs> <laughs> that is but, but the other thing and you guys make me- such a good duo that is yes. like it's a duo one it kind of like provokes spirit and like gets it going and then the other one like connects and like you guys are an insanely amazing balance. Like I'm
0: actually do. would be interested now that we've both done this. I'm actually really interested for us to compare and look at how we sit together because yeah, like what our
1: strengths are yeah. and what we can what we can work on yeah
0: yeah because we always say oh, we're so similar, I love that. but then we are really different as well. so yeah. Well, the other thing that mine is
1: says projector, people who can see a better, more efficient or upgraded approach to specific things are here to share that with others. But then there was something else that came up and that really struck me when I read it was that I need, I'm not the person on the hamster wheel. I need to sit and wait. And I I have this knowledge or I have this idea and I, I know something could be done better. But if I am trying to go out and make it happen for somebody or go out and make it happen in the world, it's not going to happen. And I'm going to feel bitter and frustrated and annoyed. And like, I'm not being in my authentic power or I'm not being who I really am. And then I need to just sit back and wait. And when I'm invited or that when the universe invites me or when a person invites me to give that advice or give that knowledge, that's when I can give it. And that's when I'll find the connection. And I've started doing it. Yeah, I've started doing it like with people in my family or like nothing, you know nothing you're like i'm gonna sit away oh, but
0: you were talking about this when we went like motherhood advice that rather than just te- like just giving people the information that comes to you i just waiting wait and, to be asked yes, because yeah. then i find
1: <laughs> that i connect better and and someone's like willing to hear it but i found mm. that when i go no you need to do it like this i can see that it's a better option like this is what is good or like this is what i've learned that people kind of are like whoa you're hectic or, or <laughs> you're too full on or like you're pushing mm. this on me or you're trying to you know, make me do something one way. That's not my way. Like I, I just am met with resistance. And so, yeah, I just need to sit back and wait. <laughs> it's so, yeah. it's yeah. I'm really trying to retrain myself.
2: Yeah. And you're valued for what you can see, not what you do. And mm. that's like directly the opposite of what like Western society tells us. It's like, no, your value is in what you do and it's just not true for you. Yes, and, and I'm, so I'm not- am so your power doesn't come from- Exactly, and I'm not doing a doer.
1: I find it really hard to like just do and like like cross things off my list. Like I just really find it difficult to get into that flow to do things. Whereas I can just like, I don't, I always say that to my husband. I say, I can just see that it's going to be like this and he's a doer. He's like, do, 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 do. And he, that's his thing. Yeah and I I find it really hard to just get off that hamster wheel and like even in my career that I'm in now it's very much like do achieve like KPIs, KPIs <laughs> yeah like data
2: yeah I love that I think yeah what you're doing now with the podcast is so aligned for you both of you mm-hmm. really
0: It feels like that. We just, every day we wake up and we like message each other being like this, like we, we, we feel aligned and we feel like we're getting signs from the universe that we're on the right path. And it's this really beautiful, but amazing and scary transition. And yeah, it gives us
1: chills sometimes. Like we'll text each other and I'll be like, oh my God, like something is happening. And it just feels like, yeah. Something is happening between the two of us, and something in the universe is telling us like this is what you're supposed to be doing, or like Mm. this is good, keep going. It's just such a I never knew life could be like this. Totally, totally.
2: So how do you use yeah? That's how you know. Yeah, that's how you know when you're on the right path because creativity that comes from the heart has only one intention, which is to enjoy and love and like create a higher vibration and. That's when you know you're full, you're aligned. Like you guys are aligned. You don't know where it's going. It's, you're not trying to have it make money for you or be this thing. It's more of just like letting it be. It's just, you're showing up in that vibration and in your creativity. And you're in your you're in your authentic power that way where it's like, no, I'm doing that. It doesn't matter the results. It doesn't matter who listens to this or what happens. I'm just doing it because I love it and I sh- I'm showing up for it. It's like coming from that place and believing before anything else is like reflecting it back to you. And I always say that's one of the hardest things about manifestation is just this, the believing before it happens. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. you have to believe before anybody is reflecting it back to you. And that is the energetic of authentic power. I give that advice to clients all the time to get in touch, like get back in touch with your heart is to start a blog for you. Like Mm -hmm. don't share it. Don't even share it. Just do it for you. Don't tell anyone until you've gotten to see your heart expressed and like you feel good about it. And then if you want to share it, share it but only if you want to, like, cause it's not yeah. about anything but you and your love. Yeah. Like and that. it's really
0: interesting because I think a lot of the time when you do go into something, it's, or, you know, even I think about like sharing things on Instagram or social mm-hmm. media, it can, it can be driven by the the seeking of external validation. Mm-hmm. Not, and and I even think about that. Like when I post something on Instagram, I'm like, why am I posting this? And I'm like, really, it's for me. It's not for anybody else. And yeah, I, you're asking I, the question. Yeah yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And even, even having you reaching out to you and you saying yes we were like something is in this universe because in mm. our initial planning phases of like what this podcast could be months ago like when was this maybe like june or july yeah or june i think we wrote lists of people that we want to talk to and i said i want to talk to julian like <laughs> you, were, you were you were right yeah, at the top of our right. list and honestly and i was just like you know what we'll just reach out we'll just reach out and ask and, and if fact, she says
0: no it's
2: okay yeah, that's
0: fine well, it doesn't yeah, matter we'll keep going. <laughs>
2: I love it. And I, on the other end was like manifesting a podcast. Like I work so much with my material one-on-one. It's like, God, it would be nice to like, start sharing it in more of a speaking way, whether that's on podcasts or in on stage on panels. So in my inside, I'm like manifesting this. So it like, when you guys reached out, I was like, yes, it's what yes, so this is course. meant to be. Oh,
0: <laughs> we love that. We love that. <laughs>
2: so yeah,
1: why don't why don't you talk to us a little bit more around like what your process is when you're working with um a client and when they're coming to you and, and looking for kind of coaching and and help in this regard? god what do you where do you start and what do you do
2: yeah it really depends like i mentioned clients are kind of in four different stages depending on where they're at and and, and all of those different stages people need different things at different times so a new entrepreneur that's just jumped in full time is needing more like practical business tools versus someone that is like maybe 10 years in and feeling stuck they need more unblocking things so i really oscillate between These practical tools that I've built, which is helping people with value propositions and getting clear on their why of their business and their intentions to uh, financial modeling and organization and process and workflow. And then at the same time, kind of weaving in all of the other modalities that I was talking about, which are more like mindset, energetic. So, some of the ones that I'm personally passionate about on that side are. We've got manifestation, nervous system regulation, obviously the human design, authenticity kind of uh, foundational tools, internal family systems, which is like a method of therapy and getting in touch with the internal voices in your head, survival patterns, attachment styles. So really use like a a few modalities and I I just flow with where things take me in a session and where the client's needs are. I don't follow anything a super form a super specific formula. I really I find my own joy in just the flow. And kind Mm. of opening to the experience, knowing that like breakthroughs come when you're in an energetic open place. Like that's how we uncover things and really just letting like curiosity guide to find those things that are blocked. It's funny with gift 39, I think it's about in the gene key side of it, if you were to listen to Gift 39, it's about how to release stagnant energy through a system with gift 39. So it's about, is it landing for you? Yeah, major. Yeah. So it's about like I just use my intuition to just know where's the little thing, what is the root to all of this? And I used all of the tools to help me get to the bottom. And then we released the thing. And then that usually creates momentum again and can help people take action. So that's like, yeah, it's not, it's every session is so different. The client is so different, but when I can hold the client, the understanding and the knowing of the client based on their human design, their gene keys, their Enneagram, I have an idea of how they're perceiving the world and and making sense out of their experiences. And so when I I know someone from that lens and then I use the tools, I can kind of get in there and understand where the where the thing is that needs to like shift so that they can get momentum again.
1: Have you ever found have you ever worked with someone that didn't identify with their like gene keys or their human design? That was like, oh, I don't don't see this in myself. Mm. Have you ever ever experienced that?
2: Yeah, for sure. And I think it's it's actually a great way to get an idea of where someone's awareness is because I think as our awareness grows, we start to see things from different views. And so if someone is maybe not resonating or also can make people uncomfortable, I think we also kind of forget that it can be a little triggering if you're not ready to look because Mm. it can directly bring up things that are happening in your life that maybe need to shift and you're not ready to. So it's about having compassion. If someone it's not resonating with someone, like we don't have to go there. Like maybe they'll get there at a different point. And Mm. when that's happening, I think that's an indication that like practical business tools are going to make a little bit more sense Mm -hmm. especially for someone too that might be a more linear thinker so I personally have an open mind and an open crown or which means that like I'm I'm not as super linear I can I'm good in the unknown I don't have to be certain about things I kind of just flow but someone that's looking at stuff with a really linear mindset it might not resonate and that's okay too but yeah it kind of just goes to show you with where maybe people's comfort are and how maybe they learn best and so just kind of shift yeah and I guess it is
0: it is a sort of a newest not a newer concept but it's a it can be a new concept for some people people don't think about these things day to day and it's not until I mean I don't read about all the I don't read about human design all the time but when I read it I was like oh this is me like
1: you see I had it I reaction was
0: when, when it said
1: like, you know, I'm not one of those people that just like is a doer and goes mm. out and does, but I have placed value and I identified myself as someone who goes out and like makes shit happen. Like, yeah. you know, that's <laughs> what I was like thinking. But then I have spent 10 years going, why am I just like not happy doing what I'm doing? Like, yeah, I've seen success mm. other people are validating that. I'm successful or I have a great job or I moved to San Francisco and I worked for another great company. Like other people are telling me that, but I am feeling like I'm doing this, but I don't like it and I don't feel good and I'm exhausted. And so reading that, I was like, no, I'm a doer. And it took me like (laughs) a couple of days to then reread it and go, hold on a minute. Like maybe this is my issue. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe one of the things that would be a good takeaway for our listeners is If someone wanted to kind of do this on their own today or or start this journey, like what are like maybe... One or two things that they could start doing today, like actionable things that would help them start to explore, like what they maybe should be doing in their life or how to find their authentic power?
2: Yeah, that's such a good question. I think you can, anybody can look up their human design chart for free online. I love com, <laughs> and she's an amazing app. You can listen to your chart. That's the best place to start to get to know yourself, get to know the system if you're looking you're you're seeking and wanting to really get to know yourself and then I think the other thing is like really similar to what we were just talking about which is like getting in touch with your creativity so doing something just for you because you love it really like leaning into the just that side of it and following your passions without being like oh I need this to be I need to put this out online or it has to go out to someone it's it's like you were saying protecting your heart doing something But keeping your heart feeling safe. And I think that that will then lead to the next thing. That leads to the next thing. That leads to the next thing. But versus we usually approach it from like, okay, what do I want? I want to be this or I want to have this. And then we are like paralyzed Mm -hmm. versus when we can start at the very beginning. It's about just doing something out of love. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) I love it
0: too.
1: Yeah. It is such good advice because we do, especially in Western culture, it's like, What's the end goal? And then I'm gonna start with the end goal and then how I'm going to do work towards there? that rather yeah. than just going, what do I want to do now? What do I really love now? And then see where life takes you. you. You might end up there or you might end up somewhere even better that you couldn't have even imagined.
2: Exactly. Like who would have thought that like I would have gotten in to learn what this concept of authentic power and manifestation and self-worth empowerment. I couldn't just do that. I had to have this whole experience before it. And that came out of just like following passions. And then it like leads to this, but like, who would have ever, if I just would have started with that, it wouldn't have been the same because I wouldn't have had the experience. And now with the experience, (laughs) I want to find
1: I want to work in like helping people find my authentic power. The logical decision wouldn't be, I'm going to launch a like vintage sourcing company. Like those two things never would have been step one and step two. So yeah, so true.
0: Have you had any moments in your sort of work life or or personal life or where, you know, maybe things haven't gone to plan or or you maybe felt like, it was a fail. And and I mean, I don't really see anything as being a fail, but what, what do you have any big, I guess, lessons that you've learned along the way?
2: Yeah. I think it's the, with the store, the brand closing after mm. nine years, it's learning that the physical manifestations of your gifts will change as you change. So as you grow, so does reality has to shift. Mm. Like as you shed patterns or you have new beliefs, it's like, things have to shift with you. And sometimes that means you change things. Sometimes that means a whole brand closed. Sometimes that means you have to quit. But, you know, you see all these things online too. It's like, as you shift, your friendships change and people like start to fall off and like, that's okay. And I think we forget about that of growth of anything, you know, whether maybe that's like, divorce or it could be so many different things but like as we change the old, old parts of us have to change with us like things Absolutely. have to change with us as we change and I, that's actually this is the scary part or the sad it brings grief and fear and sad it, like brings a whole cocktail of
0: emotions. Mm, we're ever evolving and it's sort of becoming comfortable with that that there are going to be mixed emotions and you know there is the grief and the happiness and the positivity and then the ah what am I doing it's just it's it's ever evolving and I feel
1: like it's easy for us to say or not just us, anybody to say when you're on the other side of it like oh yeah like you know I failed in this you know in this area failed but then I pivoted and you know and Mm -hmm. then now it's worked out but when you're in that time as you've said like when you were closing your stores like you needed to take time off to recover you know that's really important I think to highlight to people that if you're in that and you're feeling so down or you're really struggling or you're like I don't know where I'm going what I'm doing like what is my life how have I ended up here this sucks that is part of it <laughs> and it sucks to be yeah here. and honoring
2: seasons. yeah I think so we want everything to just be consistent all the time and to show up every day the same and I think really the the closing of the brand helped me just honor the ebbs and flows and the seasons mm. a bit more and yeah, just rolling with with them. And also, when I look back at that time, it was so disorienting. It's so disorienting when we when we aren't sure of like who we are or our identity is so much wrapped up into something. And so it's really helped me understand, no, these are my gifts there are a million ways that they could come to play. So like, if it's not coaching, it could be this, it could be that. It doesn't really matter what you're doing. It like matters who you're being while you're doing it. And that's what the intangible gifts Mm. are. The intangible gifts are you no matter what. And that is where we find, we can find like security from that place. It's just a different, a different place.
0: Yeah. That's a beautiful way to think about it. Yes. I love it. I love, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I know what we sort of just talked about is probably maybe one of the, one of the big lessons you did have out of your (laughs) thirties.
2: Is there anything? Oh Um, my gosh. (laughs) Thirties are, have been like a blink of an eye, you guys, like, (laughs) oh, biggest lesson The well, there's two, it's like learning one, learning who am, like really, who am I? And then. (laughs) Uh, learning to love that, like real self love. So it's like, who am I in real self love? I feel like it's just been the theme of thirties. Oh, that continues to be the theme. Yeah, I was 30s. just going to
0: say, where do you feel like you are in that in that journey for you?
2: Yeah, such a good question. I was just reading a book this weekend on humility because I'm like, and I think it's going to be my word for twenty twenty four. I think it's this interesting mix of I'm in integration because it's like. Mm-hmm. It's like self-love, but also being able to balance that with like power, like we are powerful beings and we are compassionate beings. And it's like, how do you like bring these two parts of you together and integrate? Personality is healthy, it's healthy to be a person. And then it's also how can I keep my heart open and connect with people and have empathy for people Mm -hmm. having different experiences. And so it's this whole kind of like integrating, okay, I'm this, and I love me, and then how do you, how do you like stand in that and be able to have so much self respect that you can extend that to and respect others? Yeah. So that I mean that that's like my vision of who I would like to become, and continue to evolve into. Still on the
0: you're, journey. You're doing a good job of it, <laughs> yeah. though. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks,
2: ladies. I think, we can I really think yeah, it's
0: you.
2: it's a journey. It's like a never ending peeling back the layers
1: absolutely yeah I I guess that's like the whole premise of our podcast too that (laughs) I I don't know why you know maybe it's like an Australian thing I don't know but I we really feel like in in our friendship circles that everybody has kind of been discussing like we're all slowly turning 30 or like we've turned 30 but there's other friends of ours that aren't yet 30 but we kind of all had this idea that we were all gonna kind of have everything worked out by 30 and 20s was early 20s was kind of be wild and do whatever and who and, really cares and self-discovery
0: self-discovery
1: and... and then we were going to discover that by the time you
0: turn 30. yeah it's like the, the 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 date clicks over and you're like yes okay yeah, who am I now yeah. and it's it's totally not like that and it's ever evolving and will probably continue to ever evolve for decades yeah, to come we need to get comfortable with yeah where we might not ever really
1: truly know but there's steps like we've discussed today of what you can do to kind of be closer to your authentic self and and be doing things with your life that feel good to you and and maybe that's what life's about rather than reaching an end goal and going oh I know who I am now and I've got it figured out done Mm, yeah (laughs) goals yes
2: (laughs) goals is uh goals are of yeah becoming like I I guess the word like acceptance of the process right like surrendering to the process Mm, yes
0: yeah really letting go and and yeah surrendering to it that's
2: been amazing i know i feel like that was great it was uh, yeah.
0: yeah everything that you say really resonates with with both yeah. lily and i and yeah and therefore you... i'm sure our listeners <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah
0: yeah we really understand where you're where you are and and i think you definitely it feels like for you, where the way you speak, you're in you're on the right path in yes. in what you've been doing for the last two years. It's yeah, you're amazing. So
2: thank you. This is such a good. Thank you so much for reflecting that back to me. Thanks for the opportunity to even like share and kind of start being seen in that mm-hmm. way. You know. Oh,
0: thank you. Thanks so, so, so much, much, Gillian.
2: Of course. All right, guys. Oh, I'll thanks, see you soon. Thank you, you.
0: See you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Suddenly 30.
0: If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. You can also follow us on Instagram at suddenly30pod to stay up to date with behind the scenes, what we've been up to and future episodes. We'll see see you next week. week.